Welcome to the Ivy Podcast. We're just two aunties sharing our experience through the lens of one Blackfoot woman and one Anishinaabe woman. And we are Indigenous Vision, an educational nonprofit based in Montana and Arizona. We are 100% Indigenous led, and this is our podcast. Check us out at indigenousvision.org to learn more about our work, make a donation, or play back any of our radio shows and this episode. It's officially Native American Heritage Month, and even though we're just two aunties from Turtle Island who love celebrating ourselves all year round, we have to say thanks to our friends over at Apple Podcasts who have included the Indigenous Vision Podcast for this month's Spotlight. Spotlight is an amazing program where their editorial team chooses shows like ours to be featured and given a teeny tiny push so that someone like you can enjoy our very special and unique content. Indigenous Vision is 100% Indigenous and female-led, and we're so happy and thankful that you're here. Check out the show notes to learn more about us, who we are. Visit our website, IndigenousVision.org, and follow us on Instagram, Indigenous Vision Media. Thank you, Spotlight. We are so happy to be here featured during Native American Heritage Month. All right, back to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Indigenous Vision Podcast. We are deep into Native American Heritage Month. This is episode 74. Welcome, welcome. We are your two favorite aunties in the whole world. My name is Melissa Spence, and I am here with the executive director. She has so many amazing titles. We don't have time to list them all, but we can just introduce her as Suta Calling Last. It's so nice to be with you again, Melissa. How are you today? I am doing Amazing. Thank you for asking. I've been on the mend since our last episode. I've got the, um, what is it? The RVC, the RVS virus or whatever. That's what I've, RSV. (laughs) It was freaking brutal. You know, I can't imagine little children having to go through this. I'm a grown adult who is quote unquote healthy lifestyle and it had me out and almost to the hospital at one point because I was felt like I wasn't getting enough oxygen to my brain. But I am, like I said, almost two weeks after now, and I'm finally coming out of it. I am I'm energized. I have my appetite back, not just for food, but for life again. So, you know, and I'm looking back on hindsight of this year and just how many times I've been sick since May of this year is unbelievable. So I'm truly committed to like turning this around for 2023 because I cannot live it like this. I just can't. Yeah, I've been sick the same way. Like I think I've been, I still have a cough that I'm clearing and I actually got an antibiotic and a, a benzoate, which is like a cough killer of, it's a gel cap. And because I told the doctor, like, this is what I do for a, a living. I stand up in front of a classroom or I'm on a microphone and I need to be able to get through it without hacking a lung out. And and so she gave me that. And then I was actually a week behind my son in the cough, in the cold, because he gave it to me about a week later and he still has it. And we extended his antibiotics because, you know, I'm sure there's so much of this virus mutating because We initially had seven days of antibiotics and there was pretty minimal changes and increase in his cough and in his snots and, and they're just really bad hacking, like for a couple minutes at a time. And yeah, so I went and got more because I know 
medically resistant viruses like staph are becoming more prevalent. And it's because either people aren't finishing their antibiotic doses or we're getting like more colds and it's just mutating. It's like mosquito spray for mosquitoes. You know how they're like uh, regular deep woods, like hardly affects some of the monsters. (laughs) Yes, I totally get it. It is a pain in the butt. And like I said, I'm looking forward to just keeping up with an ultra healthy lifestyle and just trying to, I'm back to wearing a mask full time when Mm -hmm. I'm outside because this is not cool. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And I'm kind of like, well, my immune system should be strong now. That was like four colds. And then I had COVID earlier in January and February and got better in March and then had something in June (laughs) and then um, August. Yeah, it's been like every few months I'll get something that kind of takes me out for a few weeks. And so yeah. I'm looking forward for the year to be over with and kind of like have that reset of hopefully with my yeah same healthier eating habits. And, and I've been looking into um, that too, you know, our mental health and our immunity all starts in our gut and how many processed foods and junk foods that I love that just kill your gut bacteria and just, yeah. Yeah. I fell off. I fell off the vegan wagon hard this year and it shows cause I have not been well ever since, but I'm, I'm back on not like totally hardcore, super strict anti-indigenous vegan, but I'm just doing it for health reasons, mostly because the benefits that I had experienced were incredible. But like I said, my desires got the best of me and I fell off and I went a little crazy here at the buffets in Vegas. And now I'm like paying the price. It feels like my immune system just went, took a total nosedive. And here I am. Shocked it. Yeah. Sick every month since August. That's insane. It is. And I got stuff to do. Like I'm, I'm, I'm doing Hawaii in a couple of weeks. I'm like, I got oh plans God. for the winter. Like I got stuff to do. I can't be sick. I was so delirious when that was planned. I, I'm like, oh yeah, I think I was like giving like last will and testament type advice to you. I was like, man, Suta <laughs> is down for the count for this. Take over, Melissa. I love you. That's the thing. You've, when you've got the ship. <laughs> when the world is still going on and you're that sick, like for an example, I was in Canada visiting my family, flying back home, all medicated up. My sister's house burns down while I'm halfway home. And I'm like delirious too. I'm like, what is going on? How can I even like properly pay attention, even focus on this right now when you're so, so sick and then trying to, you know, get donations for her, trying to just keep it together and trying to work at the same time. Like it's so hard when you're this sick and you're almost like a matriarch. It's, it's really tough. Yeah. So let's get into some mutual, mutual aid, which is a program that I, I want to really look into starting because we have some programs that are aging a bit and haven't been used, utilized as much as I thought they would be, which is those Berkey water systems, our emergency water systems. I love it. I'm a huge advocate, but I'm a water person and I'm out in the middle of nowhere a lot. So drinking from a pond and having the ability to filter pond water and drink that is really, um, it's like a sense of security and safety for me. Like I will not be caught without clean water. Yeah. So it's just not going very well. And, And so I was toying with this idea of creating a mutual aid fund and having that replace possibly the self-defense, which is 
Pretty much kind of mutual aid. Those are funded by PayPal dono- donations and grant makers for girls of color. And then, so I was thinking about combining those two programs into a mutual aid that covers issues like this because infrastructure in indigenous communities across the US and Canada is just tragic the way it's set up. And it's not by accident either. Uh, the allotment period and the way land was divided up between each individual Indian member created this grid of individual people across an entire land, but there was not enough money in those treaties. And if there is, I'd like to see the nations get it, of being able to create an infrastructure that's reflective of those land policies that are required and legal law. And so that creates issues like Navajo Nation having 50% of their people not have running water or electricity. And there is hardly any res that I know of that has fire hydrants or street names or regular road maintenance or even paved roads because there's just not the money for that. And keep in mind that these reservation layouts, the municipal layouts, were almost out of our hands until about the 70s, late 60s and 70s after the reservation and reserve systems were implemented. And and they haven't been amended since. And there's not enough money going into infrastructure. We're, we get very, we get, we get change compared to what we need for the land mass. And I think like policing is the same way. A lot of times they're like, we got to we got um, something's crazy, like 250,000 acres and only 30 cops to patrol all of that. So it's just yeah, really underfunded. So here's that tongue in cheek Indian cash grab policies have prevented our communities from living in a certain way and being able to economically achieve uh, certain things that cities and towns usually do because of the way our infrastructure is laid out. So that narrative drives me crazy when non-Indigenous folk, mostly older white folk or just people in general, will comment being like, why do the natives keep asking for more money? Why are they demanding more and more and more? And you just explained freaking why, because we had some guy comment on our cultural humility post, how this next training that's coming up in January 17th to 25th is an, another quote unquote Indian cash grab. Yes. And I love it. And why should there not be? And, you know, I was listening to our last episode and you said, you said that you don't want to be like this angry brown auntie or something along that lines. And And I'm like, what reason do we not have to be angry? Forgive us. Forgive some of the Indians you've run across if they were offensive, prejudice, assuming that you were a trickster of some kind um, or uh, wearing a false mask of some kind that they didn't trust you because we historically, systematically have not been given very many reasons to trust. And overwhelmingly policies implemented have had devastating atta- uh, attacks. Yeah, I was going to say effects and impacts, but it, it's attacks on our community of stealing our children, underfunding our medical issues, underfunding our infrastructure, uh, breaking treaties, inhibiting culture, the list goes on. You know, what reason do we not have to be angry? And so, yeah, if you run across a brown person of color who is not happy and angry and they can't control their tone maybe they cry maybe they yell a little bit let them let them because we need to process it and there's a system and you'll go through it too as a a settler colonial descendant 
who's trying to learn more and grow as a person and a soul, you'll go through the same system uh, and process of grief and anger because there's shame, there's guilt, there's sadness, there's grief, anger, and and it's a cycle. You know, you and I, we go through it, what, every every week on a every other weekly basis, but it's part of our healing and we acknowledge that it's healing. So at least we are good accountability partners for each other and that we don't let each other get stuck in the sad, you know, um, and where we have the ability to talk it out. And Oh, yeah. I go in the sad hard sometimes, hard sometimes. I've been in the sad, especially when I got sick. I've been in, stuck in the sad. But this podcast, as much as it might not seem like a big deal to so many people, is huge. We get to be ourselves on a platform, mm-hmm. which is kind of rare. I mean, I feel I've never felt like I've been heard my whole life. Even working on a radio station in a media market that blasted out the thousands, I never felt properly heard. But for some reason, I do here. It's amazing. So, yeah. And if we are going to charge, you know, a thousand a seat for our cultural humility training, let us. Yeah. And if you don't have to join us, you don't (laughs) got to be there. You don't got to pay like nothing that has nothing to do with you, sir. Well, and and actually it kind of does because we talk about your culture as well, which is is the, uh, so there's many cultures. Culture is not just like ceremony and song and dance of, of native or Brown people. Culture is not like, hip hop culture or, you know, culture is whatever practice that has been handed down to you by your family or peers that you adhere to on a daily or seasonal basis. And you practice it throughout your life, whatever that is, is your culture. So if you've been handed down racism and prejudice by your parents and your community, that is your culture. True. And so you have a culture of discrimination and hate and assumption making without checking them. I don't know. Maybe I don't, I don't know anything about this person, but I know they, that our, our post for a training bothered them enough that they had to leave a hateful comment and take a couple minutes out of their day and think about uh, how much they didn't like this and how much they, they didn't. Yeah, it's just amazing. And so it's, what did it say? More woke culture BS. Yeah. And more woke nonsense is what the guy commented, because obviously his culture is spending time being anti-woke, that this is a new type of culture that I've seen emerge. Mm-hmm. And I just replaced the word woke with truth when I'm reading all of these people, people's comments, yeah. but because they don't, they just do not want to know the truth for some reason truth respect and compassion just drives them nuts but you know historically throughout the history of humanity there has never not been people like that there's always been like think about the guys in wigs harumphing around about how crazy it is a woman wants to speak out loud in a group of men she's crazy (laughs) um like and there's always been like who and the guys supporting her and letting that woman speak? What what is this woke woman nonsense? There's always been people who have been like resistant, and it, and it's because it's it's fear. What are they so scared of? Are they? So- I don't know, but it's total fear to have grown, grown people. A lot of men who are you know preaching this superiority. I don't know narrative, just are so scared. They're scared deep to their core. I think it's because they know that their time has come. 
Like this is it. Yeah. So those are personal thoughts of ours, but that aside in the training, we talk about all different kinds of cultures that you belong to. And the training is more about getting comfortable talking about culture. And so uh, you as an individual can promote your uh, views and promote what you believe in without having to disturb other people's peace. Like that is completely unnecessary. You can be a woke culture is BS culture. If you want to be, that's your culture. And just as, as my cultures are mine, but I would never, uh, you know, go onto your page and take time out of my day, waste time and breath and thinking cells and, and go and like assert my culture over yours because that is not my place. Your culture and what you do is is on you. How you think and what you feel, it's on you. Nobody around us has the power to take us out of balance unless we allow them to. And that's our power. And that in culture humility, you start to realize that you have, have that power to be affected or to not be affected. And I think that's where the compassion comes in that we get for ourselves and for people who believe like this, this gentleman in our, our comment section. And so I really appreciate his comment. And we did get a message from a, a really kind lady that said the link is broken. We're about to fix that. We've been getting pretty awesome registrations for it. So I really appreciate the people who have registered and and the people that we aren't able to um, communicate with, especially the ones who want to send a lot of emails of what's culture humility about? Tell me what this is about. Tell me what my employees will get from it. We have an entire culture humility podcast series. And at this point, it's it's really wanted and needed in the community. And so we're pretty stretched thin. And so if you're interested in a career, like invest in yourself, and you will become a trainer in something that's highly needed, because we can't answer the calls or even return all the calls with the team of two of us. And then Faye, there's just too much work to do. And so it does take a lot of time to set up all these relationships. But what I recommend is listen to those episodes and just attend a training, invest in yourself. There's been many times throughout my life where I've invested anywhere between 250 and $7,000 for a certain certificate because um, I wanted that skill and I wanted those tools and I, I value myself and my time and I love learning. I love learning. And I think that's why culture humility, it's a commitment to lifelong learning. It is. And if you are truly interested in learning more, we have tons of information, not only on the Eventbrite link, which I will be uh, correcting on our page, but like our website, indigenousvision.org slash cultural humility. Tons of information to go through. We've got the video kind of highlighting and scoping out for you what the founders and the creators of cultural humility intended to create with the with the framework. And it's a lovely documentary. And I, I also love learning. So I'm looking forward to each training next year because each time there's a class or a cohort, I learn something so incredible. And like I said, it's, or like you said, it's a lifelong learning process. So go check out the dates. If you can't make the first January class, we have another one. We've got another one in May. There's just more than one opportunity and it's female led. It's hundred percent indigenous. Suta and myself will be there 
and it's fun. This is such a great conversation. I want to take a moment to share with you that Indigenous Vision is very proud to present our next cultural humility training. Enrollment is officially open. We will begin in 2023, January 17th. It is a 10-hour training. It's interactive. We will engage in dialogue and we will get to the heart of cultural humility and what it means to move forward in this work. January 17th to January 25th. We will meet every Tuesday and Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. Mountain Time via Zoom. If this is the type of training that you think you would benefit from or your establishment or organization, we would love to guide you through the Cultural Humility Framework. Indigenous Vision will facilitate with our female-led team. All the details are up right now in the description for this episode. IndigenousVision.org slash Cultural Humility. Let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, it's fun, but it's hard. And it's something you should be prepared for. Kind of like a, um, kind of like a metal, uh, a metal, <laughs> a mental, spiritual, emotional challenge, like Ironman. So if you're like a physical person who likes to challenge themselves and go running, jump over some obstacle courses, jump in the lake and swim a few miles after paddling in the canoe or kayak, this is who those trainings are for. The people who want to go farther and do more and be better and be more compassionate to the people around us and to ourselves. That compassion and these tools, I think, create sustainability because I also mentioned on the last episode that I teeter between burnout and productivity because I've been working in the field of injustice for a long time. And I've been in encountering racism and discrimination for as long as I can remember. And I even have um, an experience that the black community has and, and often gets, and I don't, you know, that's generalization. So like I have an experience that I've seen portrayed in the black community in Hollywood depictions. And so um, my grandma for my first salon visit, my grandma was really excited. Like it's kind of a Blackfoot value to be proud of the beauty that we've been given, the vessel that we've been put in, how we take care of it, how we adorn it is very um, important in showing your gratefulness for life. So it's not vain. It's not selfish. It's thankfulness and gratefulness. But I went into my first ever salon visit with my grandma. And I remember the lady put her hands on her hips and looked down at me. And she, that's how little I was. I was shorter than her waist. And she looked down at me and she said, oh, we don't cut her kind of hair. And my grandma, I felt my grandma squeeze my hand and and I immediately thought, like, and I think I was five, five years old. Um, I immediately thought, what's wrong with my hair? What's wrong with my hair? And then I looked up at my grandma. I'm like, grandma, what's, what's, and she's like, sweetie, go sit in the car. And I had never heard that level of sternness in her voice before. As the door shut, I started to hear my grandma yell. And she said, she might've cussed and said, I've been getting my hair cut here for 30 years. Her hair is my hair. And I went and got back in the car and I didn't hear anymore, but it was heartbreaking, you know, like that was my first experience. Um, well, not really. Cause there were more before that, but I had an experience of being othered 
and it, and I was completely innocent. So if me as a five-year-old girl can go through that, I think other five-year-old children can learn about the harmful impacts and the pain that discrimination and hate cause people in our human development, race aside, harmful words, harmful action, projection of harmful energies, all of those hurt our development as human people. I agree. Okay, so let's get out of the deep. I want to go back to what we were talking about, about infrastructure and mutual aid and uh, my little tangent on <laughs> uh, affording all of what Indian country needs. So your sister's house, it happens a disproportionate amount of times in Indian country. And it's because once a house starts on fire, there is no fire hydrant in sight. People are trying to fight these fires with their hose, with their little tiny ranching water tower. But mostly people just have to watch their homes go up in, in flames. Can you mention the site? Uh, uh, your mom is. Do we give PayPal's out on public platforms? <laughs> like, how do people get money to your mom to help your sister get that first month's deposit, first month's rent, and then furniture and even food um, to get yeah. her started? While she's- everything, absolutely everything is gone. So she's, she's replacing documents and the cost of those and everything. everything. So everything that we've gotten so far, which was through PayPal. Spence Marie at yahoo.ca is what my mother's email is. Literally our last name and middle name, Spence Marie at yahoo.ca um, has gone to just um, having a hotel for my sister because the Red Cross ran out after four days. And then that was it. That was the, the end of the relief. So the rest was just on them, which is pretty insane for even for Canada standards. I mean, mm-hmm. to have your whole house, everything just go up in literal flames have the Red Cross step in, take care of a hotel for four to five days, and then that's it. So the funds that have been raised so far have been used to keep the help hotel going. And they've been looking at an apartment as of yesterday. But they once they get the apartment, there's still no stuff to fill it with. Right. And then replacing all of the costs, like it's $25 to get a new SIN card. It's what? Yeah, everything. Yeah. Even... Uh, I know I've, I've been thinking about everything. Like if I wanted to help her with groceries, well, she needs dishes. She needs cookware. She needs towels. She needs the cleaning products. Absolutely everything. Personal care products. Yeah. Clothes. Imagine all your clothes burning up. Mm. Right. All your shoes, everything gone. It's, it's circumstances that happen a lot. So I. Yeah. There's been a lot of fires in Manitoba recently too. There was a a really bad one in a remote community where no one could help. And unfortunately a bunch of people perished in it. And luckily the community came together to help this poor family because there was nothing, there was absolutely nothing to help them. And so this goes back to another systemic injustice is that oftentimes when you live on the reservation, it's hard to get things like insurance because, um, one of the questions on your insurance is how close are you to the fire department or where's the closest fire hydrant or, you know, things like this. And a lot of times people won't even do business with people who live on the reserve for certain services. We're excluded from those services like mortgages because those companies can't go onto the reservation and recoup their materials if we don't pay, right? So there's a lot of systemic just injustices in place that help tragedies like this happen. And um, yeah, it's just, 
if we have a listener out there who is <laughs> savvy at creating a mutual aid fund um, and would want to help lead that, I or educate me, <laughs> I, I could use the help. Um, but it just happens a lot. And I always feel so helpless. And I just can't imagine how the family feels. And I don't, I don't want to. And but being able to help. And I think we t- also we can come together as a community, like how many people like drives. We used to have benefit shows for friends who got in car accidents or needed help with medical bills. So maybe um, maybe there's a club that can do a benefit or, you know, we've had lots of cool things. Yeah. Um, so our our trainings, culture humility trainings, those go to general capacity funds. Me and Melissa don't sit back and split the the one thousand. <laughs> I wish we did because, you know, I got goals, bills, <laughs> but um, that For real that goes to our general fund. That's our that's our work and our sweat and our potential trauma we're putting in our blood, sweat, and tears we're putting in to keep Indigenous vision going to keep ourselves paid to do this and to bring shows like this to you to help fund self-defense, to help fund mapping programs. And we have a lot of tribal mappers out there who are doing research and collecting data and taking pictures at places where we haven't been been in the capacity that we're in because we, we go in with the mentality of Indigenous people saying, we're here, we're still here, we see you, we acknowledge you. We want to protect you. It's a different way to go in and approach the work in having that respect for the land and, and all of the beings that live live within it. And so thank you, everybody who has given us donations over the past few months. It's been a pretty rough year and it's I haven't been able to get a lot of thank you cards out for at least three or four months now. And so um, I will be sending out, I, I got the Christmas cards out. <laughs> sending those out because that I I hate waiting until December because then it's like gone pretty much yeah I'm so grateful for indigenous vision I want to take a moment to say that when I was laid up sick as heck you know my it was just a rough two weeks it was just a really rough two weeks you know I'm processing being sick my sister's house burning down and the the just all the injustices and everything that my family's been through. I just thought I am so grateful to have indigenous vision as my quote unquote employer, where I can actually take time to be sick and to process all this stuff because it is really hard sometimes. And I just thought, and I teleport myself back to that nine to five gig I used to have. And I thought there was no way I could be going through this with a regular job with an uncompassionate ear all around me. There's just no way. So when you support Indigenous vision, you are literally supporting Indigenous people. It's just us here. Like, it literally is just us. Everything that you help us do helps us directly with our lives. We are trying to work our way out of poverty, something that I've never experienced before. I've always been this way, but I think that we could slowly, we'll get there. We just keep doing the work that we're doing because it's really heart-centered work. And I've never felt this um, I don't want to say complete, but aligned. I know that word is really overused, but I truly feel like super aligned with the work that I do here at Indigenous Vision. So if you've ever contributed, if you've ever liked, if you've ever shared, thank you so much. We're your woke Indigenous aunties and we want to be paid like a white man. <laughs> Please. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening to the Indigenous Vision podcast. You can find out more about us on our official website, including how to contact us, make a donation, or play back any of our music radio shows or this podcast. Don't forget to share with your friends and write a review if you've got time. We totally appreciate you sharing your time with us.